ESPN 1000 on a sunny Sunday morning. It's Mark Zander and Brian Hanley reunited, and it feels pretty good there, Brian. Mr. Z. How are you, pal? Yeah, it has been a while. You guys are talking round ball, college basketball, and now we're into baseball. It's about damn time. I've been waiting for this for a long time. A lot of people have, and we're already two games in. Cubs should have been three games in, but... um, they're both playing today, and to, it's not enough to take away for the whole season. You know, two games gives uh, all kinds of hope to Cubs fans. They look really, really good. And uh, one game for the White Sox and the collapse of the bullpen. But, you know, two games don't, don't make a season, Brian. No, but I'll tell you what. I mean, I to be honest with you, I didn't expect the Cubs to be atop the division. Not that this is going to last. <laughs> I mean, this, to, They're in first to, place, right? Go ahead right. and celebrate. No. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I didn't think they'd spend one day. I mean, <laughs> right, right, c- right. Considering who they were going against the first two games, I mean, they could, you know, realistically be zero and two. And this is, and this is exactly why I point out how impressive that's been. I mean, the Brewers, obviously, you know, they they played sloppy. I'm not saying that they lost it, and the Cubs, you know, won it because of their sloppy play. But you know, the Brewers are a formidable opponent. Obviously, and well, they can't find the strike zone. I mean, Burns and Woodruff. Think yeah, about right. you're going against those two guys. Yep. Right, and and it's Cy Young finalists and all that, and you're all, to their credit. To the, see, I don't know if this. It, it probably, if I'm a Milwaukee Brewers fan, I'm much more concerned about where my team is at, at to start the season. But you know, forever we've been saying the Cubs have no plate discipline. Right? Mm-hmm. They will not take a walk, and, and guys like Javi are no longer here some of the, the biggest culprits. But to their credit, these guys, if you're not going to throw them strikes, they're going to sit there and let you take seven bases on balls. So they'll say, okay, you know, I'll get there. I'll get there. Do you want to issue a, a pass? I'll take it. Yep. I'm not, it doesn't have staying power. I'm not, you know, there's a reason less than 30,000, fewer than 30,000 people are showing up, whether or not, um, because this fully is a rebuilt team. But it's, it, it, Matt, Matt 68, tweeted at me because I had a snapshot that I tweeted out of the Cubs sitting on top of the division from MLB.com. He said, you're going to be talking about the parade, possible parade routes, the best routes. for the- yeah, that- yeah, we will cover that today in hour number yeah, two. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm just saying that if you're, if you're Craig Council, you better figure this thing out because, yeah. I mean, what they have in the first inning yesterday, they had, uh, what, a run across the plate without even a hit. Right. right. I mean, between hit by pitch and base on well, ball. Well, that's what and- I'm saying. You, you know, their their play was uh, awfully sloppy, and they've got enough talent to figure it out. But it is kind of a, a shaky start. And meanwhile, it gives Cubs fans something to get excited about, whether it, uh, it's temporary or a little longer than temporary. But you know, you know, we're seeing oh, it, it's Nico probably and, over today, and, yeah, and, I mean- and Nikki. You know, uh, uh, you know, Nico hitting that home run, and you've got the, uh, you know, uh, all the excitement around Suzuki. So, you and know. now Marcus Stroman, who has yeah. fallen in love with this city and with this team and with the fan base. Oh, right away. They, Do you remember it, when he got signed? Yeah, I mean, he was on Twitter every day just extolling the positives of, of about, you're right, right, in, in, about being in Chicago. A, he should be a life coach because it doesn't seem like he has a, a bad day ever right he just he just has the most optimistic viewpoint but you know god bless so there are a few things to to at least enjoy i mean it they've been entertaining games even and and you know the rivalry with the hit by pitches we gotta get into that because wilson Contreras, the look on his face after he got you know turned he got it in the back and he goes to first base and he's just like shaking his head and yapping like 15 of his 
hit by pitches in 59. He's been hit 59 times in his career. So the Brewers account for 25% pretty right. much. Yeah. I mean, and interesting. I mean, it just, he, he really had a pretty good, he, you know, said, I, I just don't want to get hurt. He just doesn't think it was intentional. Um, but, you know, God and bless. I love what he said. He he basically said, "Look, if you're incapable of throwing inside, don't do it. Don't do it because somebody's going to get hurt. Right. That is that is a more mature Wilson Contreras, don't you think? Yeah, and and Andrew McCutcheon knew he was going to get hit, so we should. Well, uh, I think we all knew. Yeah, <laughs> we should take a listen to him because it was. That was one of those okay. So there's no, you know, no pushing, shoving, no punches thrown, but they're all meeting out between the uh, the mound and home plate, right? Yeah. And and everyone after the fact, kind of very, you know, very uh, cordial in their their comments about everyone understood that it wasn't intentional, but it's got to stop. I mean, it, for for the so-called rivalry between these two teams, everyone's like, yeah, well, you know, we had to go out there, and the bullpens had to empty, which is difficult now because they're underneath the bleachers. Um, but Andrew McCutcheon, let's take a listen because he knew what was coming. He just being baseball, being baseball, there's a right way to do it. Yep. That's what he said. Uh, it's the first pitch, right? Um, there's a cutter for a strike off the wake. Um, and then they proceed to, you know, have three more chances. Um, I don't know if it was because I'm a little older and I was raised in a different era, but, uh, you know, Back when, you know, you guys knew it was coming, you got it right away. You didn't wait around. There was no lollygagging. It was, it was, it was you know, you're going to get hit and you're going to get hit. And we had a couple tries to do it. If you missed, oh, well, get the next one. But I think the biggest takeaway for me is, I mean, you know, you're throwing a slider away on the first pitch for a strike. And, you know, what are you trying to do? You know, you're trying to make me guess, like, oh, you're going to pitch to me now and then you're going to try and hit me and get three chances. That's a little much, man. I've been hurt before with that. Um, 2014, uh, we, we broke Goldschmidt's hand, broke, broke his wrist. I went in the next game. I knew I was going to get hit. And I had two sliders thrown to me the first two pitches, and I got 95 up and in in the, in the ribs, and I ended up breaking my ribs. So I do take that a little personal. When, you know, you're throwing off-speed pitches, you know, for the first pitch. And then and then you're trying to hit somebody, you know, to hurt them. That's exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to hit, you're not just trying to hit them, you're trying to hurt them. So, um, I think there's some guys old enough over there who hopefully understand that and um, and, and know that there's a, there's, a, there's a different way to do it. This is what the conversation was as you were... Yeah, this is exactly what the conversation yeah. was. And, you know, I commend the umpires for letting me have that time to let them know that's how I felt about it. You would have hit me right away. I went right to first base. When I thought much of it, I just went right to first, knew it was coming. Cool. Wiped my hands clean. But, uh, you know, so I had to let them know, like, come on, man, there's a better way to do it. You know, a lot of young guys over there, maybe they don't know how to do it. But if you don't know, maybe you should ask. So, um, you know, that's kind of the way I, that's the way I view it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. You know, a very thoughtful answer. Uh, he he makes a solid point there. Yeah, I love old the school versus baseball. new school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the problem is they're unwritten, so not yeah. everybody uh, is aware aware of them. Yeah. And sometimes unwritten rules just kind of pop up when it's convenient. But I do get what he's saying. Yeah, he's he's up there expecting to get get at the first pitch, and then right. when you throw one away for a strike, okay, you're going to pitch to me. Oh, here it comes. 
you know, so I, look, it, it, my point is the Cubs have been entertaining. The Brewers, I don't know if they're in trouble, trouble, but, you know, the, when your your first two pitchers, your top two in the rotation, look like they did the last two days, I think Craig Council's got to be a little concerned. And then on the south side of town, uh, the White Sox in Detroit, how important was that game to bounce back after the way they blew uh, the game? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, I'll tell you something, Brian. Now, I am going to have a meathead take here, but, boy, that first I know, game number one, but mm. when I saw Hendricks give up the that home run and, and I saw how that game ended, it just seemed like there was no offseason. Yeah, yeah I'm you know, it. it was just, you know, a continuing of the same story. And it's like, wait a minute, we have this great bullpen. What is happening here? Now, Bummer has not lived up to expectations. A couple years ago, he was just aces, right? And then last year, not such a great year. So we're looking for a bounce back. And what happened with his uh, short time in, in the opener wasn't too impressive. And we needed him to show up yesterday. And thankfully, he did. And hopefully that's going to build his uh, confidence. Well, how about that? So he gives up two runs in two-thirds of an inning in, in the opener. Right. And and he did say after yesterday that he's not happy that the ball's in play, that they're getting they're putting contact on or actually hits, and then he has to strike out the side to get out of that jam, right? Right. He's, he did he had a little too much tight uh tightrope walking that that you know it should be easier than that mm-hmm. it shouldn't be and Ronaldo Lopez i mean good lord i know somewhere fred hubner was throwing his beer mug <laughs> at the tv right, right. he was in midseason form but he got out of it with a double play and they got the play at the plate and he covered you know so on on the pitch got away so he kind of he wiggled out of that one, but I'm sitting there watching that going, man, really? Well, yeah. right, right. But you know those those uh, opportunities to wiggle out of those situations can be confidence boosters, uh, you know, moving forward because you know we've seen Reynaldo get inside his own head, and hopefully that near miss, that close call, will just kind of build up that confidence because we need him now. We're down. Can you believe? I know. To be down are two aces, two games in. How about I mean, that? Lance Lynn didn't even see the uh, beginning of the season. He didn't even see the uh, you know the start of the season. And now Giolito with this. He's cruising. Giolito's absolutely dealing, and all of a sudden he feels a little you know. And he's taking himself out of the game. Uh, yeah. We we heard how serious that is because he's he's a competitor. He doesn't do that unless there's a real good reason. Well, best case scenario is he missed a couple starts, but they don't know yet, right? They have to see. But, I mean, four innings pitch, no runs, one hit, six strikeouts, a couple walks, 61 pitches. Uh, he, I mean, it was terrific, and he was just cruising. And next yeah. thing you know, one little thing, just like A.J. Pollack, um, you know, all of a sudden he, he's thinking he's got a double, and all of a sudden he feels the hamstring. Yeah, so, he pulls up, he hits the brakes, and he uh, feels that hamstring, uh, something happened. And and again, when when you hear people like Steve Stone talking, I know he's going to bring this up again. One of the greatest analysts uh, on uh, uh, baseball broadcast, he's going to bring up the fact that it was an abbreviated spring training. Mm-hmm. You know, and that really does screw things up. These players have to get ready quicker. And it could lead to injuries. And we have just had such a hard time on the south side with injuries. Oh. And, and starting off this season with this, I mean, we we signed uh, Cueto, but now we're missing Giolito. And he's on the 10-day, uh, obviously a 10-day, but, you know, who knows where it goes from there. AJ's uh, day-to-day. Lance Lynn is 10-day. Uh, 
on uh, and Joe Kelly is 10 day retroactive to April 4th. I would like to see him because we need all the help we can in the bullpen. And uh, you know, uh, Mankata is 10 day as well. So, so pretty it, tough on the south side. And, and you know, you got Michael Kopech going today, mm-hmm. and they're going to be very conservative with how many you know pitches and innings he's going to be out there for because he's just transitioning from the bullpen in you know into the rotation, but. It's you know he got roughed up a little bit in some of the spring outings, so it, I'm always uh, interested to see Michael Kopech because you know it's about two years behind the timeline where you thought he was going to be a yeah. part of this thing, yeah. right? Yeah, it, it has been a slow process, but he's finally here. I look forward to seeing how much they are going to use him today. I mean, what's that magic pitch count? Uh, we don't know, but uh, I'm all in favor of uh, bringing him along slowly. Uh, we certainly uh, theoretically have the bullpen to back that uh, that situation up, and and we're going to need these starters to be, uh, you know, fresh because we're we're down a couple. Yeah, it's a uh, look. Lot, lot, I don't know if Detroit's the team you have to worry about in that division. A lot of people believe that to be the case. Uh, yeah, having watched the first two games again, no, I know it's early. I'm not overly. I can't say for certain that 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 Detroit team has staying power. They may be a year ahead of schedule, but. They certainly made some offseason moves yeah. to to believe that they are on schedule, and this year is a year that they can. Compete I think, for their I think they're going to be a thorn in the side of the White Sox this year for sure, more than they have been in uh, recent history. Yep. Yeah, uh, but you know you got to take care of business today. You want to feel good about getting that series after the way you dropped the first one. So here's hoping uh, we can get to the lineup. I know it's uh, it's out about uh, a few minutes ago. So yeah, we'll do that too when we come back. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Talking baseball, both sides of town here on ESPN one thousand, and uh, we're going to eventually get to uh, talking about the Bulls. We're going to talk to Jesse Rogers as well as ten thirty uh, at ten thirty five this morning. It's Brian Hanley, Mark Zander. This is ESPN one thousand. We'll be right back. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. With maybe a couple of guys down in the bullpen due to pitch counts yesterday, some add-on runs would be nice. 1-0, hit in the air to right, maybe add-on time. It is gone! That is a two-run homer for Grandall, and it's 4 nothing. Well, that was nice to see Brian yesterday. Grandal getting a hold of one. We needed uh, we needed that. We needed to see that power from uh, Yasmani Grandal. It's uh, Brian Hanley and Mark Zander, ESPN 1000, talking baseball both sides of town. And uh, it was also nice to see Grandal and Lopez be able to make that play at the plate because yeah. I'll tell you, that did not happen last year. Nope, nope. That, and, and, it was sloppy last year. And when I saw that unfolding... I just had flashbacks, and and again, you know, it's early, but it, but in in your fandom, it's hard to reconcile the idea that oh, it's so early not to be concerned because you just want your your team to play best they can every day. It's not going to happen all the time, but we saw that uh, you know happen successfully, and based upon what we saw last year, that was a big improvement. Well, that inning could have just really gotten out yep. of hand yeah. uh, if they don't make that play, and and may, you know, Detroit probably shouldn't have sent the runner, but. Because the ball didn't get that. Well, did that did, far did away. Detroit send Javi? We don't know. Yeah, yeah. The Javi no, sent true. Javi. You know Javi. that. 
it's probably probably spot on. But how impressive is Dylan Cease? Not I'm still not sure about the mustache. I'm, I'm working. I'm <laughs> that still, was yeah. I'm you still, know, last year, last year I think uh, Fred and I had a chance to talk to Dylan, and uh, he was doing the Keiko thing. And I, I asked him if he was inspired by Keiko. Obviously, he's inspired by I don't know who now with that mustache. But yeah, it's uh, it's a unique look. But uh, you know, mustache or not, he showed up. And, oh and he, you know what, last year, it seemed like he just tried to nibble too much. We've talked about that, right? And he just tried to finesse too much. He would lose his ability to nail things down. And he really had it going yesterday. His stuff is nasty. And if he's just willing to, you know, uh, have the, uh, you know, put the ball in play and let the fielders do the work, that's going to help him. And it just seemed like yesterday, even though he dominated, he eight had that confidence. Outs. Yeah. 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 And, and retired eight straight. So even when, you know, when a, he put a couple guys on, he just, like you said, buckled down and it didn't get out of hand. Right. And, um, you know, that that's huge. And to get 79 pitches out of him when we just went through the litany of how much you need pitching and starting pitching because how depleted you are at this point. It was huge. It was huge for him. Still it, not sure about the mustache, though. It I was. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. The, the jury's out on that. But I, I was hoping, and, and again, uh, you, you know, it's it's hard if, if you're of a certain age, the way you like to see your favorite uh, sports play and, and the idea that even though we are dealing with the starting pitcher um, issue with two of our uh, big horses out, to, I was hoping to see Dylan pitch at least the seventh. I was hoping he'd go through all the seventh, and, and then we've had eight and nine in the bullpen. But that's why Tony LaRusa knows what he's doing. We're assuming he does, and uh, he, he probably did pull him at the right time. But I thought he, I would have liked to see him just go a little further. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We've got uh, Dan in Barrington wants to talk about starting pitching here on ESPN 1000. Hey, Dan, good morning. Hey, how Welcome are you? In. Good, yeah, good. Unfortunately, the best pitcher on the Sox pitched for the Giants yesterday. And <laughs> the, say, guy yeah. we got to, the guy we got to replace him is going to go two innings today. And there has never in the history of Chicago been a more overrated athlete than Michael Kopech for having done nothing. When does this guy have to stand up and actually be? This is his eighth major league season, and all we do is make excuses for this guy. And you could say he had a lot uh, of injuries, Dan. He had he had injuries. Yeah. So what? So what? When's the time to man up? We're expecting three innings out of him today. The fact they did not resign Rodon is a crime, and we will pay for. He was the best pitcher on the team last year. Gilito put on twenty pounds. He's already hurt. So, I mean, you can keep playing in parade routes for the Sox. This is a disaster. And I know, I know you're a card-carrying, flag-waving apologist, but you got to look at this. you got to look at this the right way. This team's in deep trouble, and Kopech is awful. So now, tell me why he's good. Tell me why Kopech's good. It's your turn. Speak. Tell me why he's whoa, good. Whoa, 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 buddy. Okay. <laughs> Dan. Boy, Dan's fired up today. Speak. He's okay, got a dog pal. treat. He's got a okay, dog pal. Treat we're apologists for the White Sox. Look, if we're ready to call Kopech a failure, come on, really? And we're already ready to call Carlos Rodon a huge success. And I will beg to differ with Dan. Carlos Rodon was got you know he lost a lot by the second half of the season. He was not what he was when he started 
the season last year. Do we all remember that, Brian? Yeah. No. He, yeah. Uh, so, so this idea that Rodon was the uh, person we let get away. We'll see if he can last. If he can put a whole season, one whole season, start to finish. With the Giants together, successful. See if he could do that because he did not do that last year with the White Sox. What do you get? Two years with the Giants? I think so. I yeah. think so. I mean, but uh, I want to see one solid year, start to finish, no injuries, dominance before we make a statement like that. Michael Kopech's injuries are his fault. I mean, that's what Dan was implying. Yeah, basically, right, right, right. right. And uh, yeah, eight eight seasons. Has he has he had major league action for eight seasons? Is no. that correct? No, that's not correct. No, I mean, he's, no been in, it, he's been in. I, I, I just let Dan wind himself up there. Um, it just but yeah, speak. I, yeah, it's hey, speak. Speak. Yeah, roll yeah. over. Yeah, scratch. Yeah, high five. Shake. ESPN one thousand uh, three three one two three three two three seven seven six. I don't know. You want to counter what uh, Dan and Barrington had to say? Uh, whatever you want to say. We're talking baseball right now. Jesse Rogers coming up in about ten minutes or so. Uh, here on ESPN 1000, where we're White Sox apologists. <laughs> card carrying. Card carrying. Yes, I have the card in my wallet. If I can only find it, it's next to my Vax card. <laughs> what do you... <laughs> Sometimes they show that at the restaurant, you know, or the United Center. You know, they, oh, the apologist more. card? They're like, no, yeah. we need to see your Vax card, pal. I don't care about <laughs> if you're making apologies for the White Sox. I, I don't think I have ever said speak to my dogs. Uh, <laughs> it sure doesn't work. It doesn't no. work. Really? Speak to your dogs? Yeah, no. it, it, that never works. Actually, I don't want my dogs to speak. I don't want them barking at anything that moves. Uh, you know, yeah, you, should, you, you know what? I have a hound at home. Yeah. And he conversationally barks every time I open the mic in the studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Super, super convenient. And he knows yeah. he's messing with me. So, no. <laughs> no, dogs don't need help making any noise. They make hey. plenty of noise on their own. Uh, you mentioned uh, the sun at the top of the show. Isn't is great to see the sun for more than five minutes? Uh, and it has it, been out. It has been out for more than five minutes, uh, at least a couple hours since I got myself out of bed. Yeah, it is. Uh, it has been nice. It's going to be a nice week this week, and and to have the uh, the White Sox open up this week at home. Uh, we're going to be in the sixties. So yeah, spring is here. Hopefully, it is uh, going to hold tight. Now, now uh, the Cubs. They are um, they're uh, top first place uh, in plan the parade in, routes. Yeah, yeah. In yeah, the tell uh, us which ones yeah, are the best. Yeah, uh, maybe Jesse will have a map. I'm sure doesn't he? He would have a map, right? He probably yeah. is in charge of creating that map. Yeah, it uh, it's been fun on the north side. I'm glad. You know, hey, there's a lot of two and zero for the first time since 2016. Now, I mean, you know, it doesn't mean anything except it, do, it doesn't. But it it gives it gives Cubs fans something to be excited about. Well, I mean, at least at least there were for now. At least they're entertain, entertaining to watch. So that that you know, right. my my bar is so low with this team is I, I mean See, that's at least, key, Brian. Where's your bar? If your yeah. bar is low, you're bound to have a good time anytime. I didn't think they put up nine runs in it. You know, how many times in the last two years you couldn't get nine runs in a week, right? With this yes. team. Yep. You're absolutely right. It's uh, it's it's exciting, and and Hendricks looked great. Uh, Justin uh, Steele looked good. He did. I mean, he did. He did. Again, the Brewers are heavily favored to win this division because I'm not sure what the Cardinals are doing, signing 40 year olds, Pools and and you know Wainwright's 40 or whatever, and then you got a bunch of young guys. They should be in the mix. I don't believe the Cubs are going to be in the mix. But when you start two zero against a team like that, at least. At least for the people who went out there and braved the winds and the cold, that it was worth their time. 
I, I John Greenberg, our buddy from the Athletic, tweeted out pictures of the um, of the beer prices out at uh, Wrigley Field on the opening day. Yeah, and because they're cashless at the uh, concession stands, it was like fourteen ninety nine or fourteen forty nine. I mean, they, they were just it wasn't rounded up to a dollar figure because you're not you're paying with a card or Apple Pay or whatever. Right. And and first of all, you know that doesn't give you a pause about really having more than one beer at the ball game. Good luck. I mean, you have to take out a mortgage to if you have season tickets if you want to drink at, at every game. But, yeah, uh, that, you know that goes. Uh, that's old school. Uh, that's when you drink before the game. You take the L. Yeah, <laughs> and you yeah. have one beer, but you, you've already prepped properly. That's the way to do it. I tried to. It's try to get the flask in. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, the stories I have about going to the stadium in the eighties when uh, we had season tickets and line the underarm with beers, two beers, cans of beer. You know, in the underarm of the uh, Hawks jacket, you tuck your hands in. They oh. didn't frisk you. You walked in. You had peanut bag of peanuts in your pants. You're all good. Well, I'll tell you what, a, a bag of peanuts in your pants. Um, the, or, uh, the, or was I happy to see anyone? Yeah, well, the second balcony smelled like urine most of the time because of guys who were packing their... Uh, oh, believe uh, me. Believe me. It took it took everything for you to walk up on that, uh, that urine-coated cement up in the second story with a couple of beers in you not to fall yeah, it and, was and like an ice rink up there did you ever were you ever in the basement of the the old chicago stadium i was not okay well so back in the day and this is for you know people who remember the old stadium um i was covering the blackhawks back then and the bulls the steps the old wooden steps from the basement where the locker rooms were up to, especially for hockey games, behind the net, they, they, they would open up the gate. They would lead to the gate behind the net, right? Uh, yeah. And, I mean, they were so steep and so rickety. And uh, who was it? Steve Smith, when he came to the Hawks. But he Number said, five. Remember, yeah, he remembered when he was with the Oilers. He said, the, the feeling you got walking up those steps as an opposing player and hearing that crowd, 20,000 people ready to go, he said, you felt like you were down 2 nothing before you even – put a foot on the ice because the you know you're just trying not to fall off the steps and they're so steep and so long and then you open up to guys like you who had prepped uh, properly with the uh, with <laughs> right. beverages yeah 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 and that place that place was like a you were like an in, in the inside of a uh, speaker an audio speaker the whole place just vibrated Reverberate it, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 you know, we can talk forever about a building that's been gone since 1994, mm. but it love was, it was a magical place. But if it were still up, I kind of look at it like, I love you, but we're over, just like I do Wrigley for me. Wrigley, I'm just, I'm over it. I'm over yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they, they've done the best they could. Right, right. The- and they have, and that's all you can do. And it is a, a national landmark. It's a treasure and everything. But it's awfully nice to have very uh, modern conveniences. 312-332-3776. In five minutes, we're going to talk to Jesse Rogers about what's happening on both sides of town as we're underway with the Major League Baseball season. It's Hanley and Xander here on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Handley and Xander here at ESPN 1000 on a Sunday morning. The sun is shining. We've got baseball today. 
We've had baseball for a couple days now, a couple games in. Looking good on the north side, south side, eh, a little shaky, but again, only a couple games in, Brian. And we are joined by Jesse Rogers. Hey, Jesse, welcome in. How are you doing? Good morning, buddy? guys. Good yeah, morning. Yeah, yeah, good listening to you. Good talk and good listening to baseball conversations. Yes, instead of that right? Lockout BS, right? Yes, yes, it is so good. And and we're going to rely on you for the parade route for the North Siders. <laughs> I'm sure you've drawn that up already today, route, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna drive the parade route later today. Wow. To give everybody well, that. you know Jesse's on it. He always is. He's on it. He's our guy. They still have the double decker buses parked somewhere, so they're ready to go. <laughs> they're they're warming they're, up right now. They're actually they're over, they started them up. Yeah, they're over behind the bleachers there by Murphy's. They've got them uh, ready to go. Uh, <laughs> but I heard you earlier, Brian. It has been entertaining the first couple Cub games. It will be an enter- more entertaining offense right now. That's for sure. Uh, but all four games, Cubs and Sox, have been entertaining in their own ways. So it's been it's been fun. Um, we'll see if the Sox can survive these injuries, and we'll see if the Cubs can you know sort of build off this fast start. The Cubs' schedule isn't too bad. They go to Pittsburgh and Colorado; those are beatable teams. So we'll see. Where do you guys want to start? Well, you know, yeah, we just had the president of the Michael Kopeck fan club call in. So, <laughs> yeah. what your perspective on? We've been waiting for Michael Kopeck to be in the rotation. Here he is today expectations for him moving forward has he been you know this our, our caller dan was uh, he's a bust he's done he's over uh, yeah you know what he, what is so great about he's Michael got a man Kopech. up he's got a you know the injuries are his fault um he was angry about the whole Kopec situation uh I, we know that they're going to be conservative with him moving on initially anyway but what can you expect should you expect especially when you really need starting pitching right now well, look, he's got talent. We know that. But and, and to quote Theo Epstein, and you've probably heard a lot of people in the media do it because it, it's, it's so true. Progress is not always linear. It, it, there's ups and downs. Mm-hmm. You take two steps forward, one step back. Some guys, you know, are just boom stars right away. But those are rare. Those are rare. Even great talents can can go forward and backwards often. And uh, maybe we'll see that with him as a everyday starter. But remember, this is his first time being an every five day starter. So let's let's let it play out before we call him a bust. Right, um, right. That role last year isn't easy. Ask Mike Montgomery when he did it for the Cubs. It's not an easy role to start. And really, now he knows what he's doing every five days, and we know he has talent. Um, but yes, they are going to be conservative. I, I saw. I don't know if it was his last start or second last start in person in Arizona. Wasn't good. It was what you would say if, if you were going to predict a bad start. A lot of walks, a lot of um, just sort of up and down pitches, like, like a lot of non-competitive pitches. But you, you know the talent is there. So it, it, you, it is going to be a work in progress. And there's a reason if everything was clicking with this pitching staff, he'd be a four or five, right? That's what he is right now. Even though he has talent better than that, you try to temper your expectations because it is his first time as a starter. So that's the way I'm looking at him. I'm leaving the bar a little bit lower than his talent would, would scream at you. And then maybe he'll build toward, towards something bigger as the season goes on or, his, or more to the point as his career goes on. Hey, Jess, what do you think is the biggest challenge for him to uh, you know, acclimate himself to being a five, every five day starter and having, you know, getting to that point to where we can rely on him for six, maybe even seven innings? Yeah, it's cliche, but just consistency. Um, obviously, fi- keeping the ball in the strike zone, not getting into those innings that that that, that uh, he three walks. Uh, that's what I saw in, in Arizona in that start. Just just these just this one bad inning that just blows up his start. 
So just consistency inning to inning, I know that's a little cliche. Is it control, though? Yeah, I mean, yes, I think so. I mean, if he's in the zone with his, with his, with the, his devastating, nasty stuff, he's going to be good. But mm. if he's just all over the place, yeah. um, the, the, the guys like him tend to throw non-competitive pitches too often. And you know, you guys know what I mean. Like, like uh, with that, I mean, if you're not anywhere near the zone, um, that it's the, it's the, it's kind of the pitches Javi Baez would swing at every so often, right? It's why swing at that non-competitive pitch. Right. Same yeah. thing with a pitcher. I mean, you, you, most of the time you're not facing a guy like Javi Baez. You got to get it near the zone. So, uh, more competitive pitches. And, and, yeah, better control, less walks, more consistency, that kind of thing. It's all kind of cliche stuff for a young pitcher. The uh, Mr. Xander pointed out that he, he felt like it was uh, the season from last season just continued on with the bullpen. Yeah, like there was no offseason when <laughs> that first game with the collapse of uh, the and, bullpen. And even, even Bummer you know, had to get out of it by striking out the side after making it, you know, back-to-back hits and, you know, made it more interesting than it needed to be. Um, any again early but any concern that they got to figure the bullpen out quickly i mean a little bit but let's look at the positives bennett sosa coming in uh, with his debut the last Mm -hmm. two days nice little double play ball yesterday so uh and bummer you know locked it down yesterday as well they need sosa and bummer from the left side because now the crochet is down so there's some good and some bad look I, i liam hendricks didn't say it but Opening day, dirty inning, pitching a, a multi-inning save. Come on. I mean, the chances of that working out were kind of slim in my mind. Um, that's just not what you want to do. But but obviously the Giolito injury pushed everybody up an inning and all that yep. jazz. And they had to use, uh, use everyone up. Um, help is on the way in the form of Joe Kelly, though. You know, he's got to get up to speed, obviously. I'm not too concerned as long as Hendricks takes care of the ninth. I think they'll be okay, especially if they get a, a performance like this. They're getting out of Sousa. Now, the problem is you're moving Ronaldo Lopez into the rotation, Velasquez into the rotation. So if you're asking me some concerns overall with the pitching staff, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, when Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito are down. But the way I think of it, and I think there's going to be a lot of teams in this mode, you're, you're trying to survive April. You're trying to survive the short and spring training, especially with the White Sox with these injuries. Uh, you're not looking at a 15 and five start. If Sox fans go nuts because this team starts 10 and 10, then they're dumb. Then they're, they're, yeah, they're right. Not, it's way too early to pull not, the fire alarm. Yeah, you, you were you were hoping for an okay start, even if everyone was healthy. Right. But without everyone healthy, you just need to survive this month. Get Lance Lynn back. Get Giolito back, and then and then maybe take off a little bit later. But it's not going to be pretty this month of April for the White Sox. There's no other way to say it. When your top two starters are down, it's going to move everybody up a notch. You're going to have to get some help from the minors. There's going to be a, a lot of up and down guys um, from AAA to, to, to Chicago and, and vice versa. And uh, you just want to survive. You, you can't expect some great record after the month of April. So before we go to the north side, uh, are we going to see uh, Cueto on the south side? Pitch? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Now okay. he's got to get up to speed, but you're yeah. going to see him. I mean, unless something crazy happens. In uh, in Charlotte, he gets injured. He just doesn't, you know, doesn't look good at all. You're absolutely going to see him. I mean, they're using up their depth right now with yeah. Lopez. Uh, you know, pitched yesterday, but he's probably going to start soon enough. And we'll see what Velasquez does after uh, after Kopech here. Uh, but absolutely, you're going to see Johnny Cueto. He just has to show that he has something left. You know, my expectations for the Cubs were very, very minimal. And I just wanted to be able to stomach watching a complete game, and I've been able to do that uh, first two games out of the gate. <laughs> I mean, your bar is so low. 
Well, I, I didn't think they'd be in first place a day, which is crazy to say in a, in a season, but, you know, 2-0 for the first time since 2016. But the good things are, and I, I'm, Jesse, I need your, your help on this. Their plate discipline to this point, is that just the Brewers pitching is so awful they couldn't swing at any of those pitches? Or has something changed? Because for the last couple of seasons, we've been begging them to take walks, or Cub fans have, right? And so they took as many walks as they could get from a couple of really good starters. And, and conversely, Justin Steele, you know, went out there and dealt five scoreless innings. So there, there's, you know, there's some glimmer of, of talent there for, for, for two, you know, two games in. Uh, yeah, I think it's a combination. I absolutely think it's a combination. There's no doubt this lineup has changed over into a more contact-oriented one. They've, through two games, seen the most pitches per plate appearance of any team in the majors, but you're also talking about Burns and Woodruff, two kind of power pitchers with a shortened spring training. Um, I actually think the Cubs are probably going to win today. I think uh, Stroman's pretty psyched to to make his debut. I think they he's, might he's sweep him here. He's excited. He's excited. He's been yeah. excited from day one. Excited. Well, I, I, they all said, yeah. And, and this is the time where the the Cubs can actually take advantage of the cold weather. They're, they're, they they don't have as much power, so and but power doesn't play as much in April anyway. So I do think the Cubs can get off to a good start. Um, I also think they're starting pitchers a little bit ahead of the game. They're not a power pitching staff. I think there's no doubt Hendricks and Stroman um, are, are more ready at the top of the rotation than, than two guys like Woodruff and Burns. And I will say this, and I referenced this with Carmen the other day. I wish I had said it straight out. Now, first of all, I disagree with you completely, Brian. I think the Cardinals are the class of the division. I know what Caesars, I know what Caesar, I know what Vegas says, and I would I would bet the Cardinals right now to win the division not just based on the first two days. They had five Gold Glovers, Gold Glove winners last year. They had a Rookie of the Year finalist in Dylan Carlson. It's the last hurrah for Pujols, Molina, and, and Wainwright. And at least two of those players are still playing at a pretty good, you know, not at the top of their game, but right. pretty good in Wainwright and Molina. That is a complete team, even with Flaherty's injury. Um, I think, the, uh, the, now I did say that to Carmen, that the Cardinals would win, but I didn't say this part. I think the Cubs will finish closer to the Brewers in the division than the Brewers will to the Cardinals. And I still think Milwaukee's a second-place team and the Cubs are a third-place team. But I think those two teams, I think the Cardinals are going to win the division by five, six, seven, eight games, something like Ooh, that. Wow. That, that, well, it's a combination. The reason I don't like Milwaukee as much is where did they improve? Where yeah. did they improve? And you are asking three starters, Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta, to do exactly the same thing they did last year. Already, they're not doing it. To ask three starters to repeat this amazing year they had the year before, that's asking a lot. And that's just hoping that Milwaukee does that to repeat what they did last year because they are not any better offensively. They're about the same in the bullpen. And I just don't think the, those three can do it again. And we've already seen the two of them get off to starts you know, much worse than their first couple starts last year, though obviously there's a long way to go. So... I don't think Milwaukee's as good as they were last year because I don't think they can pitch as well. And the Cubs offensively right now, I think, have an advantage. I think when we get to the heart of summer, the Cubs are certainly going to miss the power uh, that they lost in the lineup last year, especially from the left-handed side of the batter's box. Solid points, Jesse Rogers. Thanks for joining us today to talk baseball. It is a pleasure to be talking about them actually playing. See you on the Absolutely, bus. Absolutely, guys. You got it. Take care. All right. Okay. You got it. Jesse Rogers here on ESPN 1000. It's Hanley and Xander. We'll take a break. We'll come back. And uh, I pro we promised that we'd mention the uh, lineup for the White Sox. But we're going to get into uh, Bulls talk.
because they've got playoffs coming up. But are they ready, Brian? We'll delve into that and more. 312-332-3776. We're back after this on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2 in on the ESPN Chicago app. The best app for a radio station in the whole wide world. It is so easy to use. Everything is there. Podcast, if you miss anything, catch it right there on the ESPN Chicago app. Free in your app store. Brian Hanley, Mark Zander, and uh, before we get into the Bulls, and uh, we've got a Twitter poll that we'll get into as well. We promise uh, the Sox lineup. And, of course, uh, this is the home of your Chicago White Sox, and pregame starts at 1130 right after our show here with Connor McKnight as uh, the Tigers and the Sox go at it 1210 start time. Tim Anderson at shortstop. He returns from his brief suspension carried over from last year. Then you've got uh, Luis Robert in center, batting second. Jose batting third. At first, uh, you've got Mr. Jimenez in left field, batting cleanup. Then Andrew Vaughn is our DH today. Josh Harrison's moving over to third base as uh, Yoan Mankata is on the uh, IL. And with A.J. Pollock day-to-day, we've got Adam Engel in right field. Reese McGuire uh, acquired in that trade for Zach Collins. From uh, Toronto, he is behind the plate catching, and uh, that means uh, Yosemite's got the day off. And then Danny Mendick is at second base, Brian. Yeah, interesting, um, because Grandel goes yard, and he's not out there. And again, it's a grind, I get it. But it uh, because David Ross did the same thing with Nico Horner at the first home run in two years, right? Mm-hmm. You would think he'd be back out there the next day, and David Ross was waiting for him in his cubicle after the game to tell him he was not going to be starting the next game. And he just wanted to communicate that with, he said, normally he would just want to leave a guy in there and see if he could start putting some things together and heating up a little bit. But he also said, uh, similar to, to what's going on with the White Sox, the bullpen really, I mean, the White Sox have defined roles in the bullpens executing them uh, more consistently right now. But David Ross is not fixated on finding a closer and just naming him right out of the gate. So, you know, interesting managerial decisions and strategies with a young team really not expected to go anywhere and just trying to get as many guys opportunities versus a team on the south side that is expecting to be a, a playoff team and win this mm-hmm. division and how you handle veteran guys like Grandal. Well, you know, it, uh, I think Tony, and we, and we saw this last year, you know, Grandal wasn't, and for good reason last year, he he had a rough year defensively. Yes, he did. Yeah. But, he, but he wasn't that everyday guy. And, and, and I see where you're going with this, but if, if, if Tony's going to sit him every once in a while and give him a little chance, now we don't know. We're assuming he's not banged up. He did start last season with a pretty bad knee, and we didn't really see who Grandal eventually was going to be. Uh, at the plate until he got uh, past that. And obviously, as you mentioned, he hit a home run yesterday. So, yeah, it's interesting. But um, if that leaves more in the tank for Grandal when he is playing, 
you know, that obviously obviously will shake out well. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Reese McGuire can do for us in that backup role. Especially with the overrated Kopech on the mound. You know, yeah, see yeah, how, how right, he handles right. him. Yeah. I don't know how he is still in the league. Eight years already. <laughs> eight <laughs> years. How old is he? 23, 24, eight he years? Was a, he was a prodigy. He was yeah, <laughs> 15 he, years old. He made his debut. Yeah, he, he was the young, yeah, the Doogie Hauser of pitchers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it seems like eight years, but look, because you know why? We were watching him pitch, uh, and, you know, games were being broadcast at the minor league level when he was pitching, right? Right, yes. So, yes. so we've, look, been, we've, been, we've been aware of him for a long time, yeah. and that is the truth. But injuries, you can't control what happens. Uh, he, he had some pretty serious injuries. Then he had the COVID year. He excused himself. I mean, maybe maybe some people are a little upset about that. But, you know, let's put all that in the past. Let's see where he goes from here on in. You know, it's a good uh, way to transition to the uh, Bulls right now because they do have injuries. I don't believe that explains the, what, 6-15 and 15, uh, free fall. They better been not. Where were you on February 24th? Remember? Remember that? Uh, hmm. Were you in Florida at that point? Yes, I was. I was in yeah. Florida on the beach. Well, they were in first place. That was the last day they were in first place, the Chicago Bulls. Um, yeah. it, it, I mean, that's how that's quickly a long time ago. Yeah, to, to to from first place to flirting with the play-in tournament, but here they are, the sixth seed, and we will find out today by whatever happens in the the last day of the regular season here, Milwaukee, the Seventy Sixers, uh, or the Celtics. So the Bucks, Sixers, or Celtics will be right. the opponent for. And the that's Bulls. your Twitter poll, right? Yeah, which one? <laughs> I know there should have been a fourth choice, like you're, you know, you're high. What are you even talking about? But which presents the best upset chance? Uh, if you look at these three teams, I think they're one in ten. The Bulls do upset, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're one in ten against these three teams in the regular season. So it's just for conversation's sake. If they were to get their stuff together, but Lonzo Ball's not coming back, and Crusoe's back is not going to be better, and Zach Levine's knee isn't going to be hundred percent. But beyond the injuries, Mr. Xander, I, you know, this has been for, from the feel good, positive, everyone's watching the Bulls games for a reason because they're a likable team. And by the way, they're a good team and one of the stories in the NBA. Right. And let's not forget early on, they were playing really well despite the injuries. Now they have more people back. They don't have everybody back. But you can't explain, you know, defense has been an issue for a long part of the season. Yes. When when Crusoe was out in particular, everyone's like, well, you know, where, where, who sets the tone for that? And the answer is pretty much nobody. But now the offense, now you're, you know, you're, that embarrassment on, against the uh, Charlotte at the United Center. Uh, first they the were out of it. They were out of it. Uh, Before the anthem was over. Abs- <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it was Benny close. Had, Benny didn't even go get the 50-pound uh, bag of popcorn. You know, he was heading for the, the parking lot. He knew uh, 79 points in the first half. There's your defense. But they haven't been able to score all of a sudden. Now they can't. I mean, they, they really, to, to even get to like 110 points or, or whatever, that not only are they allowing 133 points to a bad team like Charlotte, they can't score. And they're jacking up threes. They're not hitting those threes. I think they're averaging... Oh, I don't know. It's something like 105. They haven't broke 105 points in six of their last seven. 110 right. points, six of their last seven. So it's, I mean, the fourth choice should have been, you know, no shot cap. They got no shot against anybody. <laughs> they got no shot against anybody. And, and look, uh, this is not the time. If they're saving something, if they're, if they're conserving something for the playoffs, boy, 
that would be an awful surprise because it doesn't look like they're ready. 312-332-3776. If you want to jump in and talk about the Bulls and how ready they are and who out of those three do they have the best shot of upsetting in the first round of the playoffs, and if you have a fourth choice, whatever that is, uh, share it with, uh, with us. 312-332-3776. Brian, when we come back, we have audio. Zach Levine, we'll hear from him, and we'll hear from Coach Donovan on wh- what is going on with this this uh, late-season poor play uh, in, in offensive and I, I have a non I have a non-sports thing that's really been eating at me. It's kind of like what's up Fred's can without Fred or his can ear. Oh, good. But yeah, because his can is you, not anywhere to be seen. I want to ask you yeah. if, if you've been uh, victimized by this or, or if this is <laughs> okay. happening to Yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's really uh, it's bothersome. Okay, all of that and more coming up. Uh, it's Xander and Hanley here on ESPN 1000.